Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. In today's episode, we have with us Rupali Mehta. Rupali Mehta is a very good nutritionist with whom I have worked for nearly 5 years now. In addition, she is a brilliant runner who has finished first or in the top 3 in multiple marathons and half marathon. She is a multiple time Boston Marathon qualifier and she is one of the very few women from India who have completed all the 6 world marathon majors or the gotten a 6 star. So welcome to the show Rupali. Hi, thank you so much uh, Raj for calling me on this platform and giving me this opportunity to come and speak to so many people. Absolutely our pleasure and we all look forward to listening to you today. So why don't we start with uh, the obvious question which is uh, how did you choose nutrition as your chosen field and how, how are you working around it? So uh, if I go back as a to the story it's a little bit funny but i think you know us when we i think whatever we decide today to do especially at my age is basically stemming a lot from our childhood so the thing is that right from my childhood i had seen my mother always following these prescribed diet plans because i think she always wanted to lose weight as we were four siblings and i guess with every pregnancy you know in those times she put on she kept gaining weight and she would go on these very strict diet plans of having only raw vegetable juices of having only fruits of eating raw food and i doubt she ever enjoyed it because i know she was a very big foodie and given a choice she would love to eat her favorite food and i never saw her losing weight so while i was growing up i saw so much of confusion regarding to this food what to eat what not to eat how to lose weight what is correct for you and what is not correct for you so between all this confusion a lot of curiosity was growing in my own head in fact after schooling i did major out of commerce field i wanted to join my dad's business but somehow my love towards food knowing food what is correct kept on growing and that's even after i graduated i went back to school again to a science school I did my bridge course and that's when I decided to study nutrition. So it clearly stemmed out of my for me to learn just for myself. There was no any other agenda behind it. So that was the beginning but then how did you decide to make this a more uh, professional thing which is what you are doing? So what happened is that uh, I wanted to share to what I believed in because I just felt that a lot of us are misguided into many many things about food like we just eat food for the heck of eating many of us ate food because we just wanted to fill our stomach actually without nourishing our body so that is the time when i started working around it uh, trying to help a few of my own family members i started talking to a lot of my friends and slowly slowly the word started spreading around that you know i am practicing nutrition actually i never studied to become a nutritionist i studied clearly out of my own curiosity out of just to learn for my own self and when i saw the gap around me is so big and i started helping people that's when it just started getting to a professional background but between all of this raj i would clearly send out one strong message to people today is that being a nutritionist is a huge responsibility because i strongly absolutely yeah because i strongly suggest 
that try to lead a life by the examples that you want to create. So first and foremost, just try to live and try what you're preaching. So that is a very, very important message. Secondly, whatever you believe in, whatever is your approach towards your nutrition, please have a very strong belief towards it. Because only when you believe yourself and what your, what your approach is, then only you will be able to convince the person across you. Secondly, please do not look for shortcuts. Like I give you my personal example is many times people come to me, like clients who come to me and say, Rupali, your diet plans are very challenging. Okay, why are they challenging? Because they're very simple. They're very uh, basic things to do, but they are not giving you a lot of, it doesn't give into the temptations of your uh, eating habits. So they're simple diet plans and there the person has to be completely involved. So that people do find it tough. And I have noticed it that my plans really never get popular with the masses because people do find it challenging. Also, one thing I learned is I never try to compromise on my principles. I do not believe in eating packaged food. I do not giving processed food. And come with what I will never prescribe it to any of my clients. I will try to get the person around it and to, you know, to get to the real food, which I believe in so much. And uh, secondly, as a nutritionist, I would only say one advice to people is be open, accept the changing trends and studies that are happening around you because that's the way I believe in. It, knowledge is so dynamic. It keeps on moving. So do not get stagnated. So with a couple of these principles, that's how I have evolved my nutrition practice. Now, even in my own experience uh, with following your uh, plans, what I found is that you are right. I mean, the plants are simple to understand and straightforward. And you lay a lot of emphasis on consistency. One has to do it for several weeks, yeah. several months, and then you start uh, seeing uh, results. And it's a very, very interesting journey. I so fully agree with you on that. Now, ap apart from being a practicing nutritionist now, you also have a background as a recreational runner and with, uh, you know, some considerable amount of success in many ways. Uh, I know that a lot of athletes, men and women look to look up to you. So can you share with us a bit of your journey, how you got involved in running uh, so much and, uh, you know, some interesting or unforgettable experiences as well? Okay. So Raj, the funniest thing is like, uh, I have always been an out, I have always been an outdoor kid. But actually, I took up to running, running marathon or a half marathon very accidentally. It was in the year of 2011. I remember it was October. And in the evening, a friend of mine just came over and we were just talking. And then I said, where are you going? She said, oh, I'm going to PDP, you know, just to for my evening class, my running class. So I said, OK, I'm not doing anything. Let me just join you. That's how I just went to uh, as a companion with her to her running club. And it was headed by this coach called Savio. And uh, when and that is it. And that's history. And then he saw me running. He saw my endurance. And he was very impressed. And he told me, to, I remember it was a Monday afternoon. And Wednesday, he told me that Wednesday morning, 6 o'clock, you'll be here. We will be doing some uh, running drills. And, you know, we will be having a class. I said, okay. And that's it. I remember October 2011. That is it, that Wednesday until today, I've always, then I never looked back. And that's how my running journey started of doing half marathons and full marathons. First one, 2014, I go to for my New York marathon with only one pair of shoes. Okay, it's Saturday morning. 
And obviously, as you know, all the marathons happen on Sunday. I go out to run. It's, it's raining in New York. I go out to run and uh, to do my easy that four or five kilometers, come back, sit in the hotel room. I'm ready to take off my shoe and the sole is in my hand. So <laughs> can you believe on Saturday morning, the sole of my shoe is in my hand and I'm like, God, what am I going to do now? And that's when I immediately call up my friend and he says, okay, we have to go to the expo and we should quickly get you another pair of shoes. So I run my first major in a new pair of shoe the next day. So you know how we are taught breaking a shoe, breaking a shoe. I broke the shoe in my marathon. So if there is, if there is one lesson every coach will tell you is never to run in a new shoe, <laughs> let alone a marathon, even a 10K or even yeah. a half marathon. Right? Exactly. So, so now you can imagine what one takes it. So yeah. there, so never travel with a, only one single pair of shoe. Second is my Boston. I'm going for my Boston marathon. Obviously, we all are running in uh, Mumbai, you know, when it's so hot and sultry and humid most of the time. And Boston marathon was my second world major. And I remember it was raining, raining and how. So one thing was mentally be open for anything. It doesn't matter you're in Bombay or you could be in Boston. And the last one was Chicago. Well, I can tell you, I, that was my fastest marathon I ran. And you I ran a 3.23, right? In that. Yeah, yeah, I ran a 3.23. That was my fastest marathon. I gave everything I had for that marathon. I really wanted to do it well. Can you believe after the marathon got over for an hour and a half, I was in the ICU tent because I got into hypothermia and the entire, my body temperature just fell off and they had to put me, I was given drips and they had covered me with a silver insulator and the way I was, uh, the way I felt weak, I was so mentally traumatized after the marathon that I had promised myself I'll never run so hard ever again. So every marathon left me with such beautiful learning and lessons that I think sometimes if I sit in uh, peace and, you know, when I one day I just hang my shoes, I'm surely going to write about each and every one of them. You should, you should, absolutely. So now coming to you know now the two parts of your of you which is nutrition and running, you just give us how you have combined the both, and then we get on to the more detailed nutrition related points. So over to you. Well, I as a nutritionist, one thing I'll tell you that yes, a food plays a huge role in your uh, in whatever sport discipline you're doing, be it running or any other sports or fitness discipline. Let me be let me tell you honestly, you know, for running, there are a lot of segments which are important, like a very good training plan, hydration, good sleep. But I would yet say nutrition is a king. Why? Because you could be training one, two, three hours in a day for four hour, four times a week, five times a week, six times a week. But how many times do you open your mouth? Four times, five times, six times a day. So can you can you imagine the impact of food that has on your body? So what you eat, when you eat and how much you eat, that affects a good nutrition plan, which is so very much important for the practice. If your practice is good, your performance is good. And so will you attain whatever you have, you will achieve whatever you have aimed for. So a good nutrition plan, anybody who's a, in any sports discipline, be it a runner, be it a swimmer, be it a cricketer, be it a gym goer, 
their good nutrition plan should help them firstly in their giving them optimum energy you should have enough energy to you know push yourself and the second most important thing that i give a lot of importance is to recovery your nutrition plan should help you to also recover obviously sleep is the most natural way of getting recovery but even food should help you to recover because if you do not recover how will you bounce back the next day for your training so that is the most important thing so today if i have trained in the morning my nutrition should be so good that i should be ready if i am a pro to bounce back by afternoon or by evening or even by the next 24 hours so when you are completely sore drained out for a longer period then yes the person needs to go back and reflect on what is going wrong look into the nutrition and hydration another thing nutrition should really help in helping the person to maintain optimum weight as an athlete you know how much weight really matters you cannot be overweight you cannot be underweight your body composition your fat and muscle all this and more so ever you should have promote good health i mean whatever you do in the end the health is of the utmost criteria so this is how i think running and nutrition go how they this is why it's so important because they both need to be synced in together so you outlined the uh... some of the key principles uh, on how to approach uh, nutrition can we start with uh, what is the most key nutrition advice that you strongly hold to one of the very very strong belief that i work around is to create a diet plan or to give a food plan that is as much as possible an alkaline food diet uh, is an alkaline diet plan so we as human have a ph of 7.3 so we are alkaline in nature if our ph gets disturbed that means it's beyond it's below 7.3 we can actually get into coma and die so at every at any time our body always has to be 7.3 now unfortunately what happens is this ph can only get disturbed when there is a lot of acidosis like a lot of acidic condition is created in the body and that always happens to emotional instability to the food that we eat the stress that we add now being a nutritionist i try to keep i try to give the person an optimum alkaline diet so that we reduce this acidic food intake so what happens is in my experience i have observed that 95% of the food choices that many of us make are actually acidic in nature when i say acidic doesn't mean on the surface like life doesn't become acidic it is basically after eating the food the food that we eat when it is digested and it is reduced in ashes in the body like it's bur- it's burnt into the ph of those ashes is what the ph the body is looking at if that is acidic less than 7 then it is acidic and if it is more than 7 it is alkaline so basically 95% of the food that we choose to eat is basically acidic in nature now because of this imbalance which happens in our diet a lot a body loses a lot of nutrients to create a buffer to sustain at 7.3 because if you're going to eat a diet which is high in acidic in acidic nature then the body has to bring it back to alkaline so it uses all its nutrients all the reserve nutrients to create a buffer which acts as a buffer so i'm just explaining in a very simple language so the people can understand now due to that a body is constantly under a lot of stress and inflammation and that's why we as a athlete we hugely compromise on our energy and recovery 
So if, as we, as you and I both know that running is a very, very highly demanding activity. And as running also creates acidosis, means because of running being a, a stressful activity, it creates acidosis in the body. So in that case, if we eat a diet that is highly alkaline in nature, then we can reduce the acidosis, we can reduce the inflammation in the body, we can reduce the added stress to the body, and this can further reduce the injury in the body, and it will enhance the recovery and the energy that we are looking at. So this is how uh, my one, one pivoted point that I work around is for a diet that is highly alkaline in nature. So now based on this is the key principle you use. What are some of the other principles around which you will build a nutrition plan then? So uh, Raj, one of, uh, so I basically have some key points that I've built my nutrition plan. And the first two key points, which you also must have, when you must have come to me, you must have understood that the first, uh, quite a some time I spent with my client, understanding the planning of the person. I actually move backwards. I ask them for the macro goals and the micro goals. So as a nutritionist, the first thing that you should look out for, what is the purpose or the focus of your training? Are you training or are you preparing for a race? Are you uh, training for a weight loss? Are you training for fitness? Or as I said, preparing for race? Are you in the most, um, uh, you know, are you in the race zone? Are you in the taper zone? So all that really matters because accordingly the diet is edged out. Secondly, what is your duration and the intensity of the training that you are doing? So a lot, even that really matters. Because based on those two grounds, then the other things follow up. So basically, you have to see to it that the diet is wholesome. Even if you are, no matter if a person is trying to lose weight, we do give healthy fats to the diet. Even the carbohydrates is adjusted according to the training plan. So that is how the whole, the diet has to be very, very wholesome. Secondly, as a runner, you have to be a very smart eater. You can't just look at calories. So the second, the another very important point is being a smart eater. You have to be calorie versus nutrition. Like for example, I get people who come and tell me in the evening snack, we want a cup of tea or we want coffee. So I said, fine, if I give you tea with some cookies or biscuits, I'm actually taking away a nutrition, an entire meal from you. What if I replace this with the help of a herbal tea or a kadha and or a glass of limbu pani, lime water, and then along with that, I give you some nuts. So the thing, the key is I try to see that as much as optimum nutrition I give along with the calories. So nuts, people, you know, think, oh, nuts have a lot of calories and we should, it will cause fattening. But that's completely a misconception. In fact, it's a good fat. It's your protein. It's bounded fat. It will give you dense energy. Versus if you keep eating cookies and tea, what is it giving you? It's empty calories for me. So you're actually losing. So be a smart eater. Calorie versus nutrition is one of the most key points. If you're an athlete, you should look for this. Secondly, uh, another key point is your hydration. How much fluid are you drinking? A muscle which... To be less injury prone, you need to be having a very, very well hydrated body. 60, our body is made up of 60 to 65% of water, out of which 70% plus is in our brain. If you have a dip of even 2% of hydration in your body, which, which results to 1 kg weight loss, you can have a performance dip. 
imagine a muscle which is not well hydrated you know it looks like a uh, a very chewy paneer or a chewy old chicken like you are a meat eater imagine if i give you a old chicken's leg like how chewy will you like it no but if if you are eating a tender chicken is juicier so that's how hydration matters so the key is for you to have at least 100 ml of your body weight that is actually the optimum fluid i'm not saying water but fluid intake for the day so if suppose you are 70 kgs you should at least have something like 6 and a half to 7 liters of fluid a day to be at the optimum hydration level uh a sportsman needs a very good amount of protein so anywhere between 1 gram to 1.5 gram of body weight so when you are taking protein see to it that it is uh you know first class protein and uh, you know because good amount of protein basically reduces the soreness it will help you in your uh, recovery good fats always very very important bounded with energy lots of varied colored of fruits and vegetables uh, people may uh, not take today fruits because of the fructose and trying to be on insulin because of being on insulin resistant or you know uh, on the low carb diet but yes there are low gi fruits you can take but you can eat lots of varied colored of vegetables because they are you're full of antioxidants and that is where uh, your all your anti inflammatory food comes from I, another thing that i really take care is to ask a person to avoid junk food packaged food caffeine based food and sugary food and while you are in a while you are an athlete you should always take care of your gut if your gut is healthy that is where all your digestion takes place so if your gut is healthy then whatever you eat is well digested and it is get uh, utilized by the body so your gut should be healthy and and to top it is your sleep you should have a good night Eight to seven to eight to nine hours of good sleep. So, according to me, these were the ten very very important key points that one should take care of while drafting a diet or looking at an athlete. So, one of the points which is of uh, interest to a lot of uh, listeners, in fact, one of the listeners of me and Ryan has specifically asked this question around being a vegetarian. Uh, how do how do people manage their diet? And let's use protein as an example, since you touched upon protein. and said yeah. that you know all athletes need 1 to 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight uh how do we manage uh protein uh, especially in a in a country where you know the diet is predominantly vegetarian and even non vegetarians as we know do not eat as much as non veg like say somebody in the western world so how do you approach that so raj let me give you a very the closest example that can be and that's me I'm a pure okay. vegetarian, and as I, I train currently also. I train anywhere around twelve to fifteen hours a week. Uh, during a racing period, it could be even going up to eighteen hours a week. And as I told you before, that I run almost two marathons a year and a couple of half marathons a year. This is just to as a just to give again the reflection of the intensity and the, uh, the the length of the workouts that I have to go. And as I said. protein is so very important for the taking care of the wear and tear the repair of the body the soreness obviously the muscle growth all that you know we know that the importance of protein so being a vegetarian the first fear that as anybody would have is I, and i come across this question like oh god i am a vegetarian i will not get enough protein this is completely a very very big myth and i can tell you very strongly very firmly <clears throat> that i as a vegetarian do not miss 
eating non-wet food just for the protein factor. And I would like to clear, take this opportunity today to clear a little bit of this uh, chaos which is created around protein. So let me just give you a little scientific background about it. There are thousands of proteins which are required in our body to do various kinds of jobs. Okay. And obviously our body cannot be processing all the proteins. So basically there are some 20 basic building blocks which are called as your amino acids out of which 11 are basically produced in our body from the various chemicals already present in our body. So what are we concerned is only of the nine very important amino acids that we need to attain from our food. That's why they are called as essential amino acids. These nine essential amino acids are present in all form of non-vegetarian food, poultry, fish, eggs and dairy. So any person who's consuming all of these basically gets their nine essential amino acids. But when if you are a lactose intolerant or you're a vegetarian who doesn't eat egg and is a lactose intolerant or you're a vegan, so they actually can't come under this uh, fear or uh, they, they have a feeling that they're not getting enough protein. But that is not true. The, the reason is each grain and legume have varied amino acids in different quantity. For example, I'll give you a simple example like grains and cereals are extremely low in lysine, which is an amino acid, while a legume such as peanut, peas, dry beans, lentils have a lot of lysine. So imagine if I bring that grain or the cereal and the, and the legume together, if I cook it together and I eat it, then I am actually fixing... <coughs> I'm actually fixing the puzzle and I'm creating the first class protein for myself being a vegetarian. So, so basically you are saying that mixing these foods is getting you close to uh, the protein profile of those nine amino acids which are not produced in the body. Yes. So that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. Being a vegetarian, in short, what you have to understand that grains and legumes are called as your complementary protein. Because when you combine them, you will get all the essential amino acids. Nuts and seeds are also complementary to legumes because they contain your tryptophan, uh, methane and cysteine. So people who are vegetarian and, and consume plant-based protein, they can get their first class protein by eating a cereal pulse combination. Simple. Our very simple Indian diet, khichdi, made out of rice and pulses. Uh, chana, Paranta. Chana is your legume. Lentil. Made, paranta is made from your grain, cereal. Italy. Rice and uradda. So basically, if you go back to our Indian traditional diet, we have these combination foods and they contain your all your together, they come across and they make your essential amino acids. I would just, uh, for our listeners, I would say that even if you have 100 grams, that is one katori of chickpeas, like chole, it gives you 20 grams of protein. If you have simple like 20 almonds a day, it will give you your 5 grams of protein. Even if you have like something, uh, one katori of any of the sprouted legumes like rajma or moon sprouts, it gives you 24 grams of protein. So as a vegetarian, please do not think that you're not getting your protein. But the key is, that the only key for a vegetarian is that 
they should be able to plant the protein in their daily diet with every meal. So every meal that they consume, they should see to it that they are having some source of a natural or a plant-based protein in that meal. So that's how you can complete the entire requirement for the protein in the diet. No, in 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 fact, uh, I have been also reading and uh, listening to uh, a lot of literature on uh, on proteins. And one of the things uh, is the last point you mentioned, uh, which now there is enough scientific evidence, which is to say that look, if suppose you know somebody has a, a requirement of let's, let's say a hundred grams of protein a day, it is better to spread it over say five meals where you take. 20 grams each because apparently the absorption in the body is also yes. much better rather than three heavy meals uh, where you take, let's say, nearly 35 grams of protein per meal. So that last point is, is uh, extremely, extremely important. And this whole, yes. whole overview you have given with some very, very specific example, I'm sure uh, all the listeners, not just uh, vegetarians or vegans, uh, will benefit from that. So let's now move on. In fact, again, this is uh, these are topics... Uh, which are of interest to uh, multiple listeners, both uh, listeners Rohan and Ravi have asked uh, questions around this, which is what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting versus, let's say, a more traditional four to five meals a day, well, as well as, you know, diets like uh, keto diet and uh, paleo diet? Okay, uh, so... Uh... It's a very, very interesting question because as I had put up one, one of my most important principles of being a nutritionist is that be open to changes, uh, you know, accept the trends and the studies that are happening because a lot of knowledge is dynamic. But let me, so today, what I see as intermittent fasting is clearly a, an old age thought process that has been packaged and given it back to me. Because see, if I being in India, who's lived in India, Age, since my childhood, I've seen fasting as, as, as an old age pr practice. So, you know, on religious grounds, we used to be all fast like three to four times a month. Even in a year, there would be some 15 to 30 days when we would be fasting on for Navratri. Muslims would fast for Ramadan, Christians for later, uh, for uh, that Lent. Lent. Yeah, sorry, Lent. So because of these various reasons, we all go into fasting. So what was the reason, even you being a non-vegetarian, I'm sure I come across people who say, okay, maybe Thursday and Monday we are not going to eat non-veg. So this was clearly done for a very essential reason was giving the body rest, giving the body rest from the food. And primarily when you give your body rest from the food is basically allowing your body to naturally heal. So Raj, if I ask you a simple question is to right now if you've got a cold and cough, and I lay a buffet in front of you. Will you like to eat food? No, you stick to simple, easily digestible food. Yeah. Right? So, and maybe so that, a lot more hydration than even normal. Yeah, so exactly. So what happens is that's how the body goes into fasting for healing. So these were the principal lines where fasting was done. Now, secondary to that, what happens is when you're fasting for a longer duration, the insulin in the body falls down. I mean, there's a drop in the insulin. When there's a drop in the insulin, automatically the fat breaking starts, like the fat metabolism starts because the body first taps to the glycogen. And when that reserve is over, the body taps into fat reserves for the energy. So because of that, people started seeing a weight loss or a fat loss. The primary goal was done to give body relief to heal the body. And the secondary 
goal achieved was the weight loss now that has become the primary goal for many of us where we look up as fasting as losing weight i'm just talking to you when people who come to me with what thought process and when and why should we use it and when to use it so intermittent fasting let me tell you is just a nicely way package where our modern science a modern nutritionist have packaged it well and presented to us with some scientific research behind it but it is a very age old practice what i'm just trying to put up for firstly okay. so so now the main question comes how important whether a runner should follow an intermittent fasting yes or no i don't see anything wrong for a runner to follow an intermittent fasting but the question is but in which cycle of training can you follow when a person comes to me and is in a low phase of training or is uh, just doing training for fitness or is training to lose weight yes fasting for 12 to 16 hours is advised another important thing for a person who's fasting to look is what you're eating in the window that you're allowed to eat it shouldn't go haywire when you're allowed in that 10 hours window or a 8 hours window to eat you have to eat sensibly otherwise you will be squaring up the all the effort of intermittent fasting so as a nutritionist i would use this platform today to tell people that yeah, being a runner or being a sports athlete and going and doing a intermittent fasting is nothing wrong because you but when to apply you cannot apply intermittent fasting when you're getting preparing for a race because at that time you will start compromising on your recovery and your energy levels and that's not what we want because the focus is preparation for an event so again the cycle in which you are training that really matters to apply to the intermittent fasting as far as uh, the keto diet again you know i would say that keto is basically you are eating a high fat food so the what one of the most important thing about keto is the adaptability that has to be taken into most consideration please understand that keto diet when you're reading the books when you're reading the uh, when you're reading or listening to all the case studies of the people who had very successful uh, who have been successful athletes doing the keto diet look back the history and see how much time have they been spending on this they have adapted themselves they have adapted their body they have shut down the carb metabolism to the fat metabolism and how to utilize the fat fat metabolism to optimize to get the optimum results for the performance so first and foremost you have to spend years 3 4 5 6 years to get your body used to this so into the discipline of keto diet and you cannot cheat in the middle because then the body gets confused so first thing is that it is the adaptability you have to make your body used to it you cannot just come and say oh i have 3 months i want to go on a high fat diet and i want my body to change no it doesn't work this way so what i'm just trying to tell you uh, what points you have laid down to me they're not wrong but one has to know when to use what second thing is where is keto diet is agreeable to you for the performance because understand keto is in the keto diet you are using fat as your fuel fat main is, source, main source of fuel yes fat is that is released very slowly and for longer duration so it has to be accordingly used for an appropriate activity it is wiser to use keto diet for something like an ultra 
uh, an event which goes on for hours, many hours, like 16 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours. People who are spending a lot of time for the uh, on the event. And so the body is slowly moving into fat metabolism because we know the fat gives out a much more uh, sustained and a longer for a longer duration the energy versus if you are a five kilometer fast sprinter or a 10 kilometer sprinter or you are a fast biker where your muscle your body is basically depending upon the on the muscle glycogen so you need more of the carbohydrate for the event for performance so you know you have to know what is your perform what is your event and based on that event is you decide whether it is useful for you or not and one more thing, I from my personal experience, I feel that keto is more of a non-veg friendly diet. Being a vegetarian, no matter what I eat, I will be always getting that extra share of carbohydrate in my diet. So keto is a non-veg friendly diet. As for a vegetarian, it is very challenging. And coming to paleo, I think that diet, again, doesn't work much with vegetarians because there are no grains, there are no legumes in the diet. Obviously, there's no processed food. It's a caveman diet. So I would say I really would not give too many points to paleo diet for any athlete because you look out for grains as your bounded energy or your dense energy. And uh, I would just stay, I would say very strongly, Raj, to all the listeners is you may adapt yourself to these new fat diets to only a small extent, extent understanding whether it's applicable to you, when to when is it applicable to you, are you going to benefit it, and just do not follow the herd mentality. Yeah, and also the other important point is that uh, you also mentioned that some of this like keto takes a long time for the body to adapt as well. So this is not something you should embark on unless you are willing to commit a Yes. It's not a really long period for a period yeah. towards. No, so that's, I, that's, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, so that's where I just wanted to really put it. Like, I, you can't just follow things when they come across, like if your neighbor is doing or if your friends are doing. Only do it if it's, uh, you know, applicable to you. So this is very, very important message. Got it. Okay. Now let's have a little bit of a change of pace. So one of the things that I do is... Uh, short quiz uh, with my guests, which is basically on sports and nutrition and things like that. So if you are ready for that, we will just uh, run through five quick uh, questions. I hope so. I wish I can answer them. Before we start the quiz, I want to let listeners know that all the resources being discussed here are included in the show notes. So do refer to those uh, links for further information. I also request all of you who are listening to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. Now to the quiz. First, let's start with uh, something uh, right up your street. There is a gentleman by the name of Casimir Funk who coined the term for this in 1912. It's a very important nutrient for body functioning. What is this uh, nutrient? Vitamin. Yes, it is. Well, he originally called it uh, vitamins because yeah, vitamins. he thought that all vitamins are, uh, are amino acids. Are amino acids exactly? Yeah. But then later they shortened it to vitamin once they realized not all vitamins are amino acids. Okay, now something on uh, women's uh, running. So women were considered uh, at risk for long distance running events. Uh, surprisingly, even in the Olympics for a very long time. 
So, for example, you may know that till 1984, there was no marathon in the women, uh, women's marathon in the Olympics. So, do you know what was the longest distance uh, in the Olympics for women uh, before the 1984 Olympics? I wish I'm correct. I think it was 1500 meters. That's absolutely correct. Uh, in fact, I think it was only 800 meters till uh, till I think 1960, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, moving on, the next question is: uh, So, uh, how many chakras are there in the human body? Seven. That's great. Uh, another question on uh, on a book. Uh, this is a very famous uh, woman Indian athlete. Uh, her autobiography is called Golden Girl. Do you remember who this is? No. Uh, one hint I can give you. Give you. She is from my home state of Kerala. Pitiusha. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Pitiusha. So it's called Golden Girl. And last question. Uh, you know, in Indonesian and Malay, uh, Malay cuisine, uh, we often hear hear of this word called nasi. N a s i. You know what nasi, nasi. refers to? Nasi goreng. Is it the coconut? No, it's actually rice. Ah, okay. Nasi. Goreng. Right. So goreng is a curry and the nasi is the rice. Yes, yeah. So, mm. No, goreng is actually means fried. Fried. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, I see. I ate, I eat it, but I didn't bother to find out what does nasi means. Yeah. Okay. So can you now give uh, the listeners some recommendations of some resources that you use, like uh, some favorite books of yours, or any blogs you follow, or websites, YouTube channels? Maybe a couple of suggestions that you uh, you know highly like and recommend. One of the simplest books that I can tell the listeners is to follow this one: foods that are killing us. Because today, if you ask me truly, Raj, we really don't need to understand what is carbohydrates, fats, and proteins doing. I mean, there's so much material, there's so much common sense, but. There are so many mistakes we do in our diet. Like we eat excessive sugar. What happens to it when we are eating excessive salt? What really happens to it to our body when we are eating excessive caffeine? So there's this one very simple book called "Foods That Are Killing You," slowly but steadily, by this guy called M K Gupta. Uh, the guy who I really sometimes like to listen is obviously our Luke Coutinho. I really like. what he talks and the way he talks he gives a lot of good insight to people because this is a very holistic approach which i also very much believe in and uh, sorry what was the name i missed that uh, luke cutino and uh, another one i hear a lot is this um, gentleman from america dr jason funk so doc, he the way he has spoken about intermittent fasting about insulin resistance about diabetes i really like listening to him very simple i believe in anybody who talks in simple language because it's easily understandable dr jason funk is also somebody who i love listening to and uh, if uh, any of the listeners want to reach you personally uh, for any follow up or consultation uh, what are the what is the best way to reach you they can email me my email address is r u t a l i n u t r i 74 at gmail.com or my they can ping me or whatsapp me message me on my telephone number 9820192593 okay got it i will include these uh, under contact uh, for you so thank you so much uh, rupali this was really really helpful 
you have given us uh, a lot of uh, you know very good information as i said in the beginning i am a person who has benefited working from you and i hope listeners get uh, out of value from this and hopefully some of them will also start working with you over the coming weeks and months so thank you so much thank you thank you raj it was really lovely talking to you thank you very much to all the listeners as i mentioned all the resources discussed here are included in the show notes so do refer to those links for further information you can reach out to me on my social media handles which are running and fitness with raj on both instagram and facebook and you can also email me on running and fitness with raj at gmail.com please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show i also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word please also leave a review on itunes as it will help enormously to grow the show we will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice stay safe stay healthy until the next show goodbye